It is sweater weather, isn't it? I should have worn one this morning. So amazing that we're getting fall in the air, and it's such a pretty time of year with the leaves and everything. We want to take a moment, welcome you here, if you're online as well, uh, as well as being in here in person this morning. I, I just want to, I felt like it was, there was an awkward moment of me thanking for the, the, the appreciation gift, and so I, it, if you ever get appreciated, it's still it's it's different. It? Someone thank you, you know, for what you what you do. So I do want to say thank you, thank you, Stace, for doing that, and appreciate that, and, and the plaque and everything. Um, but but I it's been it's been a pleasure to be your pastor and continue to be your pastor. And many of you, not all of you, made it really easy for me to be your pastor. <laughs> and so I appreciate that as well. So is that a backhanded compliment? No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, the people are here, you, you, all of you, all of you, right, do that. No, we're, we're, you've been great, and, and I just appreciate that, and just taking a moment. So please, I have a feeling this cake is like, if it doesn't get eaten, it's going to go home with me, so please take that, have some cake on the way up, but thank you for that. Um, the other thing I wanted, just before we jump into our, starting, continuing our, our series here in Genesis, is tomorrow evening really is a special time. So if you love and appreciate your pastor, Tomorrow night, no, okay, come, but come tomorrow evening, we're going to have a really good time together of eating together and, and connecting together, because there's certain settings where we, we, we don't get this. We kind of go in, and we go out, or we're in a group, and this setting tomorrow evening is for those who have been around for a long time at North Bay, but really also for those who are fairly new going, what is this church really about? What, what, what exactly really goes on behind the curtain a little bit? And we're going to talk about that. And that's what you do with a family, a family conversation, and we really want a conversation. We'll be updating you on some things and direction. We'll be sharing what God's been doing and various people. In fact, if you've got a story you'd like to share tomorrow, leave and let me know. We, we can take a few more of those. But also, we're taking time to pray together tomorrow evening and pray for the church and pray for the community. And this is space that we're allowing that we don't always have and other places to do. So it's a special evening tomorrow. I hope that you can be here for that, make a priority of that. And we will have, we have child care as well for the meeting portion. We'll all be upstairs for the mealtime. And then if you have a child that wants to hang out with you downstairs, we'll have a place for that. We'll have people helping with that as well. So that's happening tomorrow evening. So we're continuing our series this morning in the book of Genesis. And really, the the, the goal that we've had with this whole thing is looking at God as this great artist that he created and it was good and then when he created us it was very good and then and then then there came a period of time where it wasn't good because man blew it and we looked in the last few weeks about how the, the, the fallout of the fall and what took place 
on there. And, and even last week, it was, it was wonderful. Jake, did not Jake do a great job last week? And you're getting another applause for last week. You applauded on the way out, and so you don't have to applaud every week uh, to do that. I honestly, you know, I'm kidding. But, but it was great, and it was a very affirming time, but it was such a good message. But on the fall and the, ba- the story of Babel, and now we look at, as you read through Genesis, you're doing the, the, the reading guide, is the first 11 chapters are really kind of setting the whole like world history, like where, where it all began. And then it's almost like God takes the broad, you know, had the broad strokes and he, he finds the, 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 the fine point and he begins to paint in some characters in the story. And, and specifically a family, this chosen family that God has put together that ends up being the chosen nation that really leads us to being the chosen people that we are today. It's all connected. But what we look at this family, like maybe your family as well, it's pretty flawed. And it's very, very messed up in many different ways. And so when you start reading the book of Genesis, you're kind of going, should this be in the Bible? Like this doesn't, but it's real human beings that God still wants to use. And there is as we look, there's a meta theme that I want to touch on today that, that is part of our human condition as flawed, sinful people, and that is the issue of control. And so I have this question for, well, we'll look at it here in a moment, but I have this question just to you. Do you have control issues? Do you have control issues? And if you don't, maybe you could, there's, there's testing we'll talk about here today, some testing that happens. But for me, I didn't think I did until one day I was um, having to get... Uh, fingerprinted for a background check. If you ever had to do that, so you go to the police station. And so I remember one day I went there, and uh, the officer, she, sweet lady, she she says, "Okay, just just let me have your hand, and you know, you do all your fingerprints." And then I hand her my put my hand out there. She goes, "No, just relax, just just relax." And so I'm trying to relax a little bit. She goes, "Sir, if you could just relax a little bit, that would be really nice." I'm like, "I'm trying to," and like, then she's like, "You know." You're not getting arrested, okay? You're, you're, we just need fingerprints. And I don't know what it was. I, was. I was trying to relax, and I don't know why. Maybe I was nervous in the police station. Maybe they're going to find something out about me. I don't know what was happening. I don't know why. And I left there going, wow, I have some control issues. Like that was, so I don't know about here. Here's the question I have for you. What is an area of your life you're desperately trying to grasp for control? What are, I want you to think this morning, the framework is we're going to look at a, a, the narrative. We're going to look at some individuals here today who had some control issues. But what about you? So what, what are some things? On the, the obvious thing, kind of the big, you're trying to wait, what would those be would be, uh, well, you, you're trying to control your surroundings and circumstances, right? You're looking to try, and this is a big thing a lot of us do, is try to control our schedule. You know, if you don't take control of your schedule, you know, it'll, it'll get out of control and you're trying to create margin and me time or whatever you need. You're trying to have a good rhythm and, you're, and, and it's, sometimes it's difficult. You also maybe, you're, you're trying to control your image, me, me, meaning like what people think of you, how, how, people, how, how people view you. And so there, there's some control of that and, and you want to be considered a nice person and not a mean person. And, and yet there's times where you you kind of run scared a little bit because if people only knew and, and there's this, that, and then there's control of the future, which you try, try to control the future, you can't, but you try to move that. And if it's not your circumstances, you try to control other people. Now, some of us can, maybe we can leverage that control. Maybe you're a boss or you're, you're a teacher or you're a, a parent and you, you, 
you could just, you know, turn the screws on people and you could hold, leverage them. You could leverage their paycheck. You could leverage their, you know, because you're bigger and they're smaller or whatever. You can, there's a control thing. But if you can't control people that way and overpower them, you have another way. And that is to manipulate. And you don't mean necessarily do that, but you but you end up doing that. You end up controlling through passive aggressive behavior, uh, the silent treatment, that you, you hold people hostage in fear. And again, it's, it's, it's not like you're trying to be mean. You're just trying to find your way to have a sense of control in your life. And then if you don't do that, then you, well, then the last person to really try is to control yourself, which is very difficult. And so you get into the self-discipline, like there's cake outside, I'm, I'm on a diet, I am not eating that cake, even though the pastor wants me to eat, it, eat that cake. I'm not going to do it. I hope we have cake. Please eat the cake. Uh, but it might be food, it might be other things, but you're trying to be disciplined in your life, and you've got goals, and it's a good thing you're doing, Right? But there's a lot of things that try to pull away. And so what happens is some people with self-control is like they try, to, they try to take control of their life and they don't. And then they go the opposite, like forget it all. And then that leads to, I'm going to do whatever I want because it feels good. And that leads to addiction. You know, whether it's substance or alcohol or pornography or shopping or gambling or whatever the vice is. What, what's actually happening is you're trying to take control. We, we know with young people, they really struggle. Some of them, it's hard to understand sometimes what they do is they do cutting. That's a huge issue. What, is, what are they doing? They're trying, to, they're trying to actually control. There's too much pain going on out of control. This part of pain that they actually can control. I know that's a very difficult thing for us to hear that, but that's, that's what the, I can control this. That's what I'm trying to do. Well, what happens with addiction, of course, it leads to being controlled by it. And that's the difficult thing we find. So here, here's what I'm thinking. What causes us to be control freaks? Why do we do this? Well, one area, many things, I think this is this area of doubt. The doubt comes in, and we'll talk about what this is, because when we go back to the very beginning is when Adam and Eve sinned, really the root was there that the serpent came to cause them to doubt God. Did doubt God's goodness? Did God really say, you know, if you eat, your eyes reopen, and you'd be like, God, God doesn't really want, he's holding out on you. And there's this doubt in God's goodness that's there, and it affects us. And so when we want to control our lives, this whole mandate God's called us to do is to be fruitful and multiply. And actually what ends up doing is we end up controlling and manipulating is our way through life. Rather than being plentiful and generous with our life, we actually are trying to, be, we live a life of scarcity and we got to take what's ours and take into grasp. And that's what sin does. It, it causes us to take control. And you look, at, you look at Cain and Abel, right? Cain overpowered Abel because he needed to control because he wasn't feeling like God was giving him the best. And he, got, he, he didn't give his best. And, and so God sent them wandering. We, we look at the story of Babel last week. It's them trying to take control and make a name for themselves. But rather what the Lord wanted to do is he wanted them to be fruitful and multiply. But they wanted to build up their own life. And so we, we have this tendency that we do this. And so when we look at this, we need to look through the eyes as we're going to look through one man that there was a sense of trying to take control, and yet God was wanting him to, to relinquish control. And we'll look at it here in a moment. But here's the thought for it all. A true test of our faith in God is when we relinquish our need to be in control of our lives. 
a true test of it. We're going to look at here, the true test of it is actually letting go even what maybe God has given us to do. And if there's ever an example of this is the life of Abraham. And you've been probably reading now, and you're reading chapters 12 through 15 at least, you're seeing this life of Abraham. And really when he's entered on the scene in Genesis 12, it's, it's called Abram. And Abram is doing what he knows to do, and he, he has this wife, and her name was Sarah, but the beginning of this narrative is Sarah he and her name means contentious or my ruler and that's going to play a part you know in the story of Abram and Sarah and Abraham and Sarah there, there, there is a problem that develops a big one that happens a long way but it's a sense of taking control and so here it is though here's where it all began it says in chapter 12 verse 1 the Lord had said to Abram Go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you and I'll make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. This is considered really part one of the Abrahamic covenant. You know, there's different covenants in the Bible. There's, there's actually the, the Adamic covenant was the, the covenant with Adam. There was the Noetic covenant that we looked at. But here's this covenant with Abraham. This is really part one of saying, you are, I'm going to use you and you're, you're going to be great. And there's a blessing. It's almost when you read that, like, wow, he won the lottery. Blessing and greatness. And, 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 you know, and, and if you're a good Bible reader, you're kind of going, like, wait a second. Ja the chapter before, the people got you know, punished for trying to make themselves great. And then here he's saying to this guy, you're going to be great. That's that's kind of contradictory, don't you think? Like, what's going on here? Well, I think it comes down very simply to this. It's about motive. The people were trying to make their names great. God comes along, sees some humility in this man, Abram, and says, I'm going to make you great, but really, I'm my greatness that I want to do through you. I'm wanting to build my kingdom on what I'm doing, not making your name great, but you're going to be great by being and, and the, create a great nation. You're going to have a great family, a great nation that will lead to this greater work that I'm trying to do. And it's going to be fulfilled that declaring not your own fame, Abram, but my fame. And that's why you can put this in your, your notes here today is this, that blessing comes through obedience. Over and over and over again, you see this, that blessing, there's a blessing that comes through obedience. And Abram's offer gets, not only does he gets this offer of a lifetime, but what's the caveat is that he has to choose he has to choose that. And so, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. Verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord told him. There, there would be no greatness ahead without Abraham willing to go, to actually do it. There's blessing in the obedience. There's not just the blessing in the believing. Sometimes we get caught up, I'm just believing, and God, I'm, you'll bless me. Like, great, why don't you actually do what I'm blessed you to do to actually do it. You know, it's like, here, here's what we want you to do. And there's a choice and there's a cost. And, and I don't know if you've ever had a moment, maybe geographically, where God sent you in a different direction. In fact, you might be here, here in this place is because God had you somewhere else to come and live here. God brought you here. You think, I mean, your job brought you here, or family brought you here, but you also sense and say, God brought you here. I, I remember when Christy and I were first married, we were living east side of Seattle and the role that I had had changed and, and now I was looking for a job somewhere and a church in Pocatello, Idaho called. I'm like, like Poca what? Where? 
And, and, I, and like, do you know where Idaho is? I've heard of Idaho. Okay, I eat potatoes. I don't. And, and, then, and then so we went there and visited, and it was a great little place. I'm like, ah, I don't know, I don't know. And, but yet God was putting something on our heart about it. And so then what you do is you're look, you ever look for the out? Do you ever go, oh, okay, what we need to do is just talk with friends and family, especially close friends and family. They wouldn't want us to move away. They would want to hold on to us. And every single one of them, up to our own parents going, I think that's a great idea. You should, like, wait it. You want us to leave what they're doing. God was confirming to send us to a land that we never thought we'd go to in the high desert for five years. And it was a difficult time, but also a, a rewarding time that God used for us and did great work. We got to experience great work through him, but we were obedient to that call. Even though we were looking for a way out, there wasn't. God knew that this is what we need to do. But it was this relinquishing control, relinquishing all the areas we know. Like, Lord, there, as I was going to Idaho, there's no Starbucks there. There wasn't in like 100 miles, right? And so it's like, okay, Lord, there's sacrifice. But I knew at some point to relinquish control, stepping in the know, and that's really where faith requires. And it's this, obedience isn't just in believing, but in the doing. And I kind of said that already, but obedience is not just in the believing and the doing. Abraham, Abraham not only set out on his own family, but he had a, really a lot of people with him. You know, it wasn't like getting your little minivan and you're a family. His family was a clan. He, it was a caravan. And it would probably 75 to maybe 100 people that also included one of the famous people, a famous nephew is named Lot. Next week, we're going to be looking at the life of Lot and on how he hangs out in, in a couple fun little cities called Sodom and Gomorrah. Has anybody heard of them? So it's just going to be a fun little message next week on Sodom and Gomorrah. So it'll be interesting. You don't want to miss for that. But Abraham faced the test of trusting God and providing, protecting. But what happened along the lines, he wasn't very good at times at it. There was some flaws that happened along the way. Because along, what happened is, you read, is there was a, there was a famine that, that came over them. And so what they ended up doing is in going to Egypt, which, you know, if you look geographically, you're going to the centers of places where there's water source, okay, famine also had, you know, there's a drought, it really lead to, can't grow any crops, can't really do anything, and so toward the Nile, which was the, was Egypt, and that, and, and when you look at scripture, Egypt is always symbolic of bondage, basically, like, we, we need help, or you need protection, but they, they kind of went outside of God a bit, uh, and, and really what happened is, and what they did is, rather than trusting and relinquishing God's being controlled, they try to take control in their own hands. And, and this is what it says in chapter 12 is as he was, Abram, about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sari, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you're my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. Okay? Now, here's a cultural moment to know is in ancient societal laws, and this is, you know, I don't know if it's to Geneva Code or whatever, but basically, you, you, if you were kind of warring territory, you know, one would overpower the other, and if, if, if you're married or something, they could, they'll kill you, and they'll take your wife, okay? That's just how it worked back then, but if they're, they're, you can not marry your know, siblings, right, they would maybe spare your life, but take your wife, Okay? So it gets a little, I don't know, a little, a little Jerry Springer here, okay? Just a little bit. Because Abram is actually half, telling the half-truth. 
His wife is really his half-sister. Okay, don't, don't just go with that. That's just the way it was. And, and so, so he's half-right. So he, they approach Pharaoh. Pharaoh takes her in the palace. Abram lives, but Pharaoh finds out it's, 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 it's false, right? All that was going on. He's going to kill everybody, the whole clan and everybody. But God sends a disease and, and basically a plague. And so, which, you know, that happens even later. We know in Exodus, but this happens. And, and so what's the lesson? You, you can make your life a mess when you live in half-truths and lies and everything going. So what happened was there, there, as self-preservation, there was a question of character. You, you, you will do things you don't really plan to do and, and you, just to try to preserve life. And so, which leads to this thought is integrity will always be a test of our true obedience. Integrity is always that test of true obedience, not half-truths or white lies or, you know, working our way. Again, rather than being fruitful and multiplying our life, we actually try to control and manipulate our life because we're wanting to take control because, gosh, I just can't relax my hand to get the fingerprints of my life and do that. And what I find is that obedience is not just a one-time decision, but it's an ongoing choice in that. It wasn't just that Abram said yes God, I'm going to follow you, but it's the following that was leading him toward which this promised land that God had for them. You know, when I married my wife, June 11, 1994, that wasn't the, that was, I said I do, but I, but the, but it also was a commitment that I would say I do every day. That every day is a commitment that my, my integrity and, and in, in marriage and fidelity, Abram was, failed the test of integrity, but here's the good news, God still wasn't still was working with him. He wasn't done with him. In fact, this work of his, the greatness of not of Abram, of, of God's grace happened. You jump to chapter 15. Abram, this part two of this covenant, this is what it says in verse one. So here it is. He did all this, and yet God comes to him again. The Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be, there's another word again, great. Jump to verse 5. It says, look up at the sky. Count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And, and he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he cre credited him as righteousness. That he believed and trusted. And Abram, you're going to be... Uh, you're going to be great, but your son that you're going to give birth to, he is going to be great. And there's going to there's a great nation that I'm creating out of your family. It's an incredible promise. But the challenge with the promise was this, there'd be like a 25-year gap that would happen. Abram believed the promise, but had to keep believing in the promise. God spoke it, but he kept believing and trusting in it, hoping that that it will come through, but it didn't take in the time they was. And so Abram and Sarah, they took control of their life and their own destiny, and they stepped over God's promises. They rushed ahead beyond not just his will, but his timing. And we jump into chapter 16. Now, for those of you who are going, wait a second, I was only supposed to read chapters 12 through 15. Now you're going to 16 relax okay relax the hands relax your body it's okay don't be control freak okay um so we're gonna get i'm jumping ahead because i really want to give this overall view of abraham's life here today so in chapter 16 it says now sarah and abram's wife had bore him no children 
but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave and perhaps I can build a family through her. In other words, I know God promised, but he's not coming through and the timing I want him to do, we're gonna take control. We gotta do something. I think we know what is best. I don't know if God does. And they circumvented God's will. How many know that never, ever works out very well? Well, the story says this. Abram agreed with Sarai. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai and his wife took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar. She conceived. And when she knew she was pregnant, she, Sarai, began to despise her mistress. See, what happens is when, when the, they, they doubted God's promise and his timing, chaos developed. Uh, problems, inner, inner relationships fall. The weird things were happening, how they're feeling about it. Jealousy and resentment was all building. And it was such a huge deal that Hagar gave birth to Abram's son, Ishmael, and if you look at history, centuries now, we're still a part of that story. The, the, the descendants of Ishmael are now the Palestinians, okay? The conflict of the descendants of Isaac, which we'll get to Isaac here in the birth of him later, is, is the Jews. And so here we go, traces back all the way back to a couple, you know, that, that try to take control of their lives. Anytime we try to take control, anytime we try to do what we cannot do and force what we can do, there's always going to be a cost. Now, some of you are going, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. it you know, I am not going to, you know, if I have a maidservant, Hagar, I am not going to have an affair with her. I am going to, do, if my wife tells me to do that, I get it, Dan, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but here's specific, how does it apply to us is we all have Hagar's. We all have Hagar's in our life. Hagar's are those things or people that we want to see happen, happen, and haven't happened yet, even though we believe in God's promises, we have his word, we have promises of, of him coming through and, and blessing our life and using us, and even things that we're hoping for that he's planted, even spoke to us that would take place that haven't happened yet. And so what we do is we, we circumvent God's will and we find another way around. So the question is, who or what is your Hagar's? For, for people, I've seen it over and over again, a younger age and older age. So it, it all comes in, in play, play, especially maybe as those get older where people will go, I really want to find a mate. I really, I'm single, I want to find someone and, and no one, and, you know, I'm trying to go God's way and I'm trying to have my standards high. I want a person, I'm a follower of Jesus. I want someone who's even more passionate about Jesus than I am, but I can't find anybody out there. There's no good women out there. There's no good men out there. And so what do people end up doing? They settle for, for less. Oh, he's a good guy. He, he kind of he is a Christian. He kind of is. Like he believed in God. He went to Sunday school. But, um, but I don't really, but he's a, good, he's a good guy. She's a great woman. She really, really is. I mean, she's been very successful. And she really doesn't have any faith. She just it's a different, you know, she's in a different thing. Like she's finding God in a different way. And I'm, I'm kind of embracing like, 
lowering the standard, lowering the standard, lowering the standard, and pretty soon you're like, what do you have in relationship? So that's, that's a challenge. I mean, it's selling for what God has best. Maybe it's financially. You find yourself in a, in a place that you're in need, and so we can't afford what we're doing is, well, we'll just go ahead and put it on credit. Let's go ahead and just leverage ourselves a little bit more, and, and you know, because we're we've got needs. I mean, we want to go on trips. Like, those people go on trips. Man, they go to Hawaii every year. We haven't never been to Hawaii. We could just, what's on that credit card? What's on this one? We could find a way, or we can do that. And we try to take control. The short-term sacrifice, or short-term making, making it for yourself, ends up being this long-term debt that happens. So is it people? Is it your spouse? Is it your child? Is, it, is there certain things you're trying to force happen, make happen in your life that you're just seeing you go, God, I got to trust you in that. You're going to provide. And you're going to do it in the way that you're going to do it. But Lord, I, I want to stay faithful to you. That's the test in our lives, the Hagar's in our life. And in other words, is this. Who or what you're trying to control and trying to put your tight grips on that you need to relinquish to the Lord? And how do you, how do you know what it is? It's whatever's bringing you worry, anxiety, and stress right now is your Hagar. Now, some of you are like, well, I, I got a responsibility to, to people. You do. I get that. So there's that normal stress of like, I, I have a role. I am not going to just drop everything. and drive. No, I got to provide for my family. I gotta, no, I'm just saying on top of that, not your responsibilities. I'm talking about the extra stress you're putting, that worry of that grown child. That, that concern about that grandson or granddaughter that, that, that are, is keeping you up in the middle of the night, that's stressing you out, that's causing you to take medication to get through whatever you're doing. Again, medication can help, and I'm not negating all those things that help, but at the, at the root level, what is it that's there that's bringing that kind of level of stress to your body, to your mind, and to your heart? For, for Abram and Sarah, they... they, 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 they they circumvented God's plan and it was cataclysmic for them. And yet, God wasn't done with them. God was still working with them. Look at Genesis 17. It says, Abram, here's part three of the covenant. I mean, this is just keeps going. It's amazing how God just doesn't give up. It says this, as for me, this is my covenant with you, says Abram. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham for I have made you a father of many nations. Nations. That's the name of Abraham, father of many nations. Abraham fell down, he laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, uh, this is what Abraham said to God, and then God said to him, yes, your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him, an everlasting covenant for his descendants after now you read in there in Genesis 17 again, you'll read it coming up next week, is that there's three visitors that show up, and actually a couple of them, they're angelic visitors, and they show up in, in the whole Sodom and Gomorrah story we'll get to next week. But what was going on is he, they said to Sarah as well, and they said, you're going to bear a child. And she laughed too. It was a, I guess it was a funny thing. It was a funny thing God had for them. And, and this promise though that you're going to have this child. And he will be born, and he was. 25 years later, it happened. Their pride and joy. The very thing that God was promising them happened. It was amazing. 
and this fulfillment that was going to take place. And, you know, you would, you know, if you're writing the Bible, you're like, great. Okay, good. Okay, we're good, right? We can move on. No. 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 Here, there was a, the, this promise, because really this is what control is. The very thing that God had given them, God says, I want back. See, the true test, the final test of control is willing to let go of what God has given you, as God has given us. After 25 years, here's the fulfillment. The kid is there. there he, he's walking and talking, and, you know, he's getting to the place, maybe, maybe about puberty. You're like, oh, the voice is changing a little bit. He's finding his feet. He's, you know, his life, like, pretty soon, like, he's going to be ready to go, like, you know, everything. God says, okay. Great, I want him back. This is what he tells Abraham. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Wow, quite the camping trip. Father and son. Can you imagine just the, the gut feeling that would be as a father? I can't imagine you're going along and they're carrying the wood and they're carrying it up and, and then pretty soon he's, he's building an altar and son's kind of figuring out what, what's going on and, 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 and then he's tying them down and like what is happening and God's going to provide, God's going to provide. This is what Abraham kept saying. But yet there's this test, there's this moment like God, what are you going to do? But I'm going to be obedient to you and I'm going to follow what you told me to do in these specifics and here's the moment where the knife comes up and the angel of the Lord called out to him from that moment heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that your fear, you'll, you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Next it says that Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught in by its horns. He went over and took, him, took the ram, sacrificed as a burnt offering instead of his son. So the Lord called that place, the Lord will provide. Abraham recognized the very thing, the very person, the very promise that God had given him was being fulfilled. Now he wanted him back and provided this, this moment for him to realize that. And I just think for ourselves, what, is, what, are, what are our pride and joys? What are, who, are, you know, who, who are the Isaacs in our life? What are the Isaacs in our life? The very thing that God's promised, the very thing that God's given us. And I, I think the greatest expression of your, your parents is our children, right? We, we, we you know, our, our son Grant, he, you know, he, his name means gift from God right? He, God gave him this. And, you know, when I remember when he graduated high school and then, you know, it's like, I'm going to, he's going to go off to college, do the things. And he decides like a couple weeks after he goes, he goes, I'm leaving now. See ya. <laughs> and, and as he drove away, it was very anticlimactic. He was like, he's really going, he's gone. It's happening. And, and par parents, you know, that, that releasing and letting go your, your pride and joy. Yeah. As a church, we, we've experienced that of our sons and daughters that have been kind of raised up in the church here. And then we've let them go. We've, we prayed on this 
platform over and over again for people. Every time we lay hands on people, they leave and, and they go. And we, we do this work. It's called the sending, be the apostolic church we sent. But there's a loss, right? And we sent a group of people just a few years ago to go plant a church in, in Blaine. And we send people. That's the work we're doing. But there's this pride and joy. I, and, and we've had staff members this, this last you know, a couple years, and, and and by the way, Ashley and Josh and now Logan all work at the Bellingham campus for the student. We have supplied the student ministry staff at Bellingham right now. Way to go! And like, what about? And yet, what did it do? God provided a whole new generation of people. You see, if you've been a part of church for years, you know this. And God brings another wave with 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 Jake coming here in this last few months, and then Jen here this last couple weeks. And Lord continues to meet his needs what about you for your life what is the Isaacs who, who are the people that that Lord because here's the crux of this is if you're not willing to give over your pride and joy the very thing God's given to you it becomes an idol God wants it all God wants us to sacrifice it all why because he already provided the sacrifice that's needed for us already we just give it all back to him. I'd like our team to come as we prepare for communion. We're going to have a moment here together for communion. And, and our team's getting ready here. And, uh, and so as they come, we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to, we're going to trust in God. I want you to think about your pride and joys. I want to think about maybe it's your own children. Maybe it's grandchildren. Maybe it's the people that you're, you know, you've had to let go and, and trust God. That God's saying, hey, let me just take your hand. Let me, let me, let, let, let's allow you to let go of that because of what I've given to you. It might be a ministry. It might be a job. It might be a role. It might be this, you know, whatever it is that God actually came through and he, and, and he met the need. Some of you, your very spouse, the Lord met that need for you and now it's letting them go. And if you've lost someone in death that you know that feeling but it doesn't have to be death either. It's just there's a change in the seasons. There's a change that's happening. Whatever it is, God is, is wanting you to know, to identify it. it. What is bringing you anxiety? What is bringing you stress? What is bringing you this, this challenge that's there that you're in that, that place? What might that be? Jesus was provided for us. This gift that was given to us, that Christ was sacrificed before this gift that we now have this, this release of whatever is in our lives to give over to him, this, this exchange that took place. That's what communion is all about. So team, you can go ahead and serve now communion. And when you receive it here this morning, go ahead and open it up, have it ready and have it prepared that we're going to eat all together here in a moment. But as we do this, I want you to not only prepare and opening it up, prepare your heart. Ask the Lord to show you what is it, what are the, what are the Isaacs? What are the things, what are the people that you just need to relinquish control of? It might be your very self that you, you are struggling with control. And you need to let go. And realizing when you do, God honors that faith. And what he does in replace of whatever it might be is that he gave his very son.
the lamb became the ram, the ram became the lamb of God. And so when we hold this these few minutes here, I want you to reflect on that and as you listen to these words, just listen, hear these words, hear this narrative. And maybe you could maybe you can picture these words how just like the Abraham and Isaac went up the hill for this sacrifice, I want you to picture Jesus doing the same for you, to be not the ram, the, the God that was provided, but the lamb of God, take away the sins of the world. And as you do this, find yourself blown away by it all. And then we'll come together and partake together. Let's do that. Let's reflect here this morning. Troubled Messiah, you prayed through the night. Unbearable sorrow, the world on your mind. Betrayed by the kiss of a friend, you were taken by your own free will. Rejected and disowned by those you came to heal. Stripped of your clothes, you were mocked. Stripped of your clothes, you were mocked. You were beaten, made a king of fools. A crown of sorrow driven deep into your brow Yet you made no sound What you went through to love me I'll never understand What blows my mind away you love me as I am We're just going to get really personal here for you I want you to just picture whatever that is Whatever that is holding you back that, That's bringing stress and anxiety The, 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 the issue, the struggle and it might be it might be something that God is already like taking care of but somehow you go back to it you go back to it whatever it might be but again it might even be the the very promises that he's fulfilled in you and and now that you're you're, you just you're hanging on to it so much that you're not really in worship of him it, it has become an idol to you and so it's just letting go this relinquishing and, and any kind of control that there's and so there's this exchange that the Lord wants to do not that, not that that has to be sacrificed, but you're letting go because God has already provided and, and he's, he's given it. So Jesus, when he, 
when he talked about this, he, he said there's an exchange that's going to take place. He said that what needs to be sacrificed is no longer anyone else's uh, work, anyone else's effort. There's no more striving. There's no more manipulating. There's no more uh, trying to do it on your own in your own efforts. You don't have to make any more bricks. I am the rock of your salvation. I am the living stone. I am, then he said, I am the bread of life that's going to be broken and be put to death. I am the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. He said to the disciples, and he says to us to remember this sacrifice, to eat in remembrance of him. Let's do that together. I mentioned the covenants. There's covenants throughout Scripture. There's these different ones as we looked at Abraham, and then there's the Mosaic Covenant. It was all these rules that need to be followed, and pretty soon then Jesus says this that blew everybody away. He says, there's a new covenant that I'm making with my very blood. No more sacrifices need to be made on any altars. I am that sacrifice. My sin, uh, your sin will be forgiven because of my blood that will cleanse it. That is a new agreement. That's the new covenant. I make it with all mankind. Drink and remember. Let's do that. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus. Just take a moment. Say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done and what you provided. That all my sins are forgiven. That the life I have in you is a life eternal because of this great sacrifice, the, 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 the Lamb of God that was laid on the altar for me. Oh, Lord, may, may I be blown away by it. May I be blown away, not that you just did it for everybody in the world, but you did it for me. And, Lord, I, I lift myself to you. And, Lord, I, I let go. I let go of everything, God, that, that has held me back. And Lord, I want to walk in newness. I want to walk in a new place of freedom in you. Because I've let go of control. I relinquish it all because you are a good, loving father that did not spare his own son so that I can have life and I can have freedom. And I can walk in this newness that you have for me. And I do that in faith today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I'm going to invite you to stand. You can pass your cups to the aisle. Let's finish this out together. And as we do, I encourage you, your hands are free. Lift them to the Lord as a sign of freedom, open-handed surrender to Him. If you need prayer, after we'll be available for that. Let's sing this together before we leave.